You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Arma Energy, presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, W Wheels, and Bill's Pipes. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line, we've got none other than Tony Blazer. Tony, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Well, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Hey, anytime. Always love to have uh, a fellow passionate uh, motocross fan on the line with me and uh, one who's got a well of knowledge far deeper than my own. So uh, uh, I, I enjoy having you on. Thanks. I appreciate that. I don't know if I can look up that intro, but I appreciate it. <laughs> You always do. Uh, and uh, on behalf of myself and all Cowboys fans everywhere, yes, I know, yes, I would. Uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, uh, congratulations on uh, the Redskins winning the NFC least and uh, and putting it in the playoffs. Man, my team has been so bad for so long. Yes. I will take it. I don't care if a win is a win. <laughs> Even if we yes. finished like five and ten and won the division, I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, I think we've been to the playoffs. I don't know three times in the last ten years and been bounced. You know, pretty early every time. So I'm just honestly, I'm just hoping that I can uh, win one playoff game and then I'll be happy because I don't expect them to be able to beat you know any like Cardinals or Carolina or anybody who's really good. I'm hoping they can squeak out a win against Green Bay because Green Bay has not been playing their best football lately. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. But I'm hoping, hoping for good things. Hey, crazier things have happened, man. Uh, if I was to tell you three years ago that uh, the Redskins are going to be back in the playoffs but without RG3 uh, and Kurt Cousins was going to be your starting quarterback, you would have um, just prescribed some uh, some heavy medication. i, I got to be honest. I mean – um, I thought we had finally, finally got a quarterback in 12. You know, we were, the whole city was so excited for RG3. I, I'm wearing an RG3 jersey right now as I talk to you, Beautiful. ironically enough. I still have like five or six of them. I got that year, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to burn them now. Yes. Even though he got painful to watch, you know, it's just, it really started in that, you know, that game where he blew out that knee in that last, the last playoff game we were in, you know, and he just really never, never really recovered and didn't pick up the offense. And it's just been a, a train wreck ever since. But you're right. I never would have guessed that, you know, Cousins would be the guy. Yeah. And not to too much, talk too much about football, but that was one thing that kind of is surprising me about his whole um, injury and everything like that knee injury, a knee injury that has a great track record. They do awesome work with knees nowadays. I don't understand how uh, a guy like him, uh, can't like spend an entire off season and his entire recovery uh, working on getting himself into that offense and and be able to recover properly to be effective the following year, knowing the fact that we've had many running backs who do m- more damage to their knees than anything uh, come back and have highlight seasons, a la um, uh, Adrian Peterson. So like it just to me it's just absolutely baffling. 
It's, you know, I think it's a deep, deeper issue than just the knee. Um, cause yeah, you're right. He's already had one knee surgery and he came, he, he still ran great. Even after that, I've, I've had three knee surgeries, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not ever the same again, but you know, you can still get around pretty well. Yeah. And these guys are like, you know, top of the line athletes. I think the, the thing was mostly mental with him. You know, it's the kind of guy that's probably always been the best athlete on the field at every level and never really had to work on the craft of learning to be a quarterback. He relied on his legs so much and his athleticism, um, you know, kind of like a Steve Young early in his career and some of these other guys that are great runners and the ones that um, go on to become great quarterbacks learn how to play from the pocket. I mean, it's just that's the way the game is. You're just not going to be able to take those kind of hits all the time into your 30s and, and survive. Um, and it's whether he didn't want to or – um, I think there were some issues where he wasn't seeing eye to eye with, you know, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Mike Shanahan. I think it's, you know, local media has been made pretty clear that, uh, you know, that was more the owner who wanted to draft him and that, that the Shanahan's actually wanted to go with Tannehill that year or cousins even. Yeah. Um, and they were kind of, you know, Schneider probably pushed their hand on it. So I think, you know, it was just a bad culture in DC. That's been the problem since Schneider took the team over and, I'm hoping now that, you know, we finally got some, you know, adults running the thing that maybe they're getting it turned around, but who knows, you know, we'll have to see if this keeps going or if it's just a one-year fluke to actually make the playoffs again. No kidding. Uh, shades of, of Vince Young and uh, for RG3, not too sure if he'll be in the league uh, in a couple of years' yeah, time. Same kind but... of deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, let's talk motocross because uh, we're about five minutes into this and we uh, this is this will be labeled as a uh, SX preview and we'll have a few people with raised eyebrows so far. So let's yeah, jump. I won't like that very much. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's a free download. Um, <laughs> Here's your money back, right? Yeah, exactly. Full free free re- refunds uh, care of uh, Tony Blazer. Uh, but, uh, before we get straight into Supercross, uh, I want to talk about something that's in your garage right now, something your, your wife might not be super pumped about, and that's your Pro- Project 90. Uh, tell us a little bit about that Honda. Yeah, it's actually a, uh, nice bike for its age. It's a 1990 CR250R. Um, I got it from Nick McCabe, who's, uh, works over at Racer X, and, uh, Mathis was kind enough to, uh, we've been talking about doing a project bike, you know, um, I've been talking to him about doing it for about a year and he kept an eye out for something that might interest me. And he knew that, uh, I always loved those 90, 91 CRs. And, uh, when Nick mentioned that he was selling his, you know, uh, Steve ho- hooked me up with him and all worked out. I ended up getting it. It's, um, it's a nice shape for its age. It, it runs or it did. It's all in pieces now, but, um, there was a few issues with it. You know, that's kind of stuff you, you know, be normal for a 25 year old bike that was ridden in the dunes and all the, all the bearings of toast and all that stuff. But, uh, right now it's in a million pieces. I have actually the only thing in my garage is the wheels and the uh, suspension, um, and both of those are getting ready to go out this weekend to uh, race Tech and W. So um, it's in a million different pieces, and all those pieces are in different places. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, sounds like uh, you're doing uh, quality work, tip to tail. And uh, once that uh, bike's finished, not only are you going to have a, a nice aesthetic piece, but uh, hopefully something that uh, performs well for you. Because uh, unlike the unlike the bikes that that Steve's building, you uh, you might twist the throttle on one of these things. Oh yeah, I intend to ride it. I mean, I. I'm heck. I'm an old guy now. I'm not going to go out there and kill myself on it, but I intend to take it out and ride. Um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm probably going to get like a, one of our local pros to ride it for me. I might you know, put a video of it up on YouTube or something like that, just to 
don't have chicken or Mickey Diamond or anybody over here in the VA to ride it. I mean, I should hit up Pastrami. He's not far in the, uh, over in Maryland, but um, I tend to actually ride it a little bit and stuff and uh, uh, yeah, have a little fun with it, you know? Why not? Uh, and uh, um, not not as much custom work went into uh, my project, but uh, this past Christmas was able to uh, fulfill a, uh, I don't know, I can't tell you how many year dream of being able to uh, give my dad something that uh, uh, he hasn't been able to give to himself for a number of years. Of course, my dad getting me into motocross when I was nine years old. He raced in the 70s. He raced Suzuki's. His last bike was a 1978 RM125, and uh, earlier this summer, I went down to the local track, saw a guy riding a 1978 RM125, and uh, I was like, if you want to sell this thing for any reason, you let me know, and uh, in August, he uh, he gave me a call, and, and uh, uh, I, I paid for it, I, uh, I brought it back to my friend's garage, where we stripped it down, uh, brand new plastics, from uh, from DC Plastics in Illinois, or Michigan, sorry, and uh, yeah, tip to tail, the bike looks beautiful. Uh, I'd like to change the tires on it and stuff like that, but uh, really cool to be able to su- surprise Dad on Christmas morning with uh, one of his old bikes. That is cool. I had a '79 RM125 back in the day, and same bike. They were great bikes back then. Yeah, yeah. they're same basic bike. The only difference I think the tank is maybe shaped a little different. But yeah, not and much the different. number plates are a tad bit different as well. But that's it. Yeah, they had the the terrible like uh, like weird duckbill to the front of the fenders in '79 that that were just like maybe the goofiest looking fenders ever. They're terrible, but yeah, there's great bikes though. They were great bikes in the day. I'd I'd love to ride it now. That'd be awesome. Did you take a chance to ride it? I'm gonna. Uh, I, ha- I ha- actually I haven't ridden it myself. The guy who. Uh, owned it he's actually the original owner of it uh i guess or at least his uncle was and uh he had actually been riding it and racing it locally uh in like just not even like a vintage class but like a 250b class or i guess 250c yeah 250c class uh locally and uh the thing runs great it's got uh the emulator kit from race tech in there and uh it's in great shape and uh yeah I'm, i'm looking forward to twisting the throttle out this summer yeah, I had raced. I had a uh, two eighty three CR four eighties, and I had raced tech the suspension on those. And because uh, the stock suspension on those bikes is is pretty sketchy, yeah. <laughs> if you actually ride it on a modern track, it's pretty bad. It would actually uh, my four eighty would bottom out on the face of jumps. You know, okay. you didn't take, forget taking off. It would like try to catapult you off of it. And after I got it back, it was like you could pretty much jump anything on a track, short of like a you know a supercross triple or something. But any doubles and stuff, it would take it in stride. It, they do great work at race tech. Totally, yeah. I, my 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 hope for this bike is that something that me and my dad can go out to uh, a local vintage style track and uh, just uh, bring back the the yesteryear, as well as uh, one one extra thing to get him away from uh, his wife, my mother. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. I love to take a thing for a spin. Absolutely. So, uh, as far as um, your your Project Ninety, are you doing it up stock style, or are you trying to emulate a certain pro's bike? I know that Steve did uh, both chicken, and then eventually, um, uh, what was the most recent one? Uh, Mickey Diamond. Eighty eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, the eighty eight. So, uh, what's uh, who's uh, who is your who is your muse for Project Ninety? Yeah, I've, I've gone back and forth with that whole thing because I actually considered maybe doing it as a 91, but the more I think about it, the more I think I'm going to keep it as a 90, and I think I'm going to do it like uh, as much as I can, um, a, Jeff, a replica of Jeff Stanton's bike in 90. Okay. Um, I, there's a great place uh, called you know Evo 
um, racing over in the UK. Yeah. It's actually, uh, they're actually building me some, uh, right now they're doing me some, uh, works Honda graphic rep, replica graphics, the fenders, decals, the whole, whole shebang. Um, and that's going to look really cool. I already picked up like a, like a tiger stripe seat they used that year. I got a tech cell one. Um, and I'm, I had another company that's redid my pipe. The pipe that was on it was a pro circuit, which is no longer available in the natural finish, like the work style. They make the platinum ones, which obviously in my opinion, look goofy on those old bikes. Um, it had the stock, I mean the original natural finish, but it was all corroded and rusted. And, um, a guy out there in, um, Oregon actually, uh, totally redid that for me. And, um, took it back down to the bare metal and redid the, the weld. So it looks like a factory pipe. It looks really great. So I found another guy over in, uh, I think the Netherlands that makes like some, some of those HRC style covers, you know, they're like exact replicas of the, uh, the ones that factory Honda ran in the eighties and early nineties. Nice. I think I'll pick up some of those. So, um, I think I'm going to, you know, obviously it's, I'm not, I'm not going to port the cylinder or do anything like that. The bike's plenty fast enough to be stock, but aesthetically I'd like to make it look like, uh, like Stanton's bike. That'd be a little bit of all right. Uh, and, and, and honestly, a great rider to pick because, uh, arguably 91, 90, um, phenomenal year for, for Jeff and, uh, kind of a year where he kind of established himself as, uh, like really became six time sort of thing. Jeff had a great year that year. It's it's funny. I, I ran into him, uh, couple times back then you know every time he was always kind of a dick to be honest he was a very arrogant guy back then you talk to him in the pits and he'd blow you off and um he, he seems like he's mellowed out a lot when he's older but um i was always a rick johnson guy uh but you know he was going up against bradshaw and then i was you know kind of rooting for bradshaw but as time has gone by i've become more of a stanton fan but i wasn't at that time uh, you know, over time you kind of mellow out and stuff. So I look back fondly on, I always thought the bike was cool. You know, I just, he, he didn't do it for me back then, but now I think he's pretty cool. There you go. Uh, so let's jump into some supercross here. 2016 is here. I can't believe, um, it's been, it's been over, it's been 11 years since the first time we had a mud race or like the last big mud race, the first race of the year. Um, and, uh, it looks like it's going to be that this weekend is Anaheim one. Uh, the top contenders all have their, uh, their debuts and their, their press releases are done. The, the teams are set. All that's left to do is, uh, do some practice and drop the gate. So, uh, let's say we, uh, jump straight into the premier class, talk a little bit about the four fifties. Let's do it. Well, most people, uh, they, they, they discount this guy. Even, even if he's got the number one on his plate, they're, they're, they're still not hyping this guy up. They're still not sure what he's going to do. Uh, he doesn't like his nickname. I don't really like it either, but, uh, it, it, it does kind of work with, uh, with, with the, who he is. That's Ryan Dungey. Uh, some say the diesel, I guarantee Ralph Shaheen will say it on the broadcast. Uh, got to start with, I doubt he'll call him Goldenrod though. That's true. I think he'll pull that out. Uh, you do that as well. Uh, but, uh, Ryan Dungey, the big number one for this year, um, in, in both classes rather, and, uh, or both, uh, both, uh, outdoors and, and indoors. Uh, how do you think, uh, Dungey's going to be coming into the season? Uh, most of his training and all of his, uh, his program has pretty much been hush hush, which is uh, pretty normal for motocross. You know, 
I'm a huge Dungy fan in general. I was super psyched with how things went last year. I was actually really surprised, you know, because even when he won in the past, he was never really dominant indoors. You know, a couple of years when RB was out, he dominated outdoors, but that was by far his best performance indoors. I- I'd love to see him repeat it this year. Um, I think if I had to say, you know, put money on the guy for the title, I think Ryan is probably by far my, my favorite. Um, just because typically um, he's very consistent. Even if he's, let's say he's not the fastest guy, he'll still get a second, you know, or a third at the worst. Yeah. Uh, he's not, he, he's not prone to those like eighth place or 10th place or, you know, cartwheeling to somebody in DNF. He just, that just typically doesn't happen to that guy. So in a race like this weekend where it's going to be muddy, um, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see like, uh, somebody like, you know, Ken Roxon or even Eli come out and, and win the race and Ryan maybe get a second or a third. But, um, I think in the end, he's still my favorite for the title. Right. I, absolutely. And in my, in my opinion, um, if, the, for, if, the, if there's a, a year where there is no clear, um, favorite or like you can't just pinpoint this is the guy like back when when we had RV or like it's RV and then there's everybody else or when Stu was on his game it's Stu and everybody else or with RC it's RC and everybody else but this time there is no one guy that's just like it's got to be that guy and uh, be, with a formula like that I, I don't see how you don't have uh, Dungey out front because uh, nobody's as consistent and uh, although there are nights when he might not be on the same pace as oh, any number of guys, he could be in practice. He could be end up being sixth in practice, uh, but still end up with a, a a second or a third. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, he's just a solid dude. You know, you can yeah. count on him at least getting a top five, even if it's a weird mud race or something like Bud's Creek or something last year where he cartwheeled yeah. on the first lap. He found a way to come back and salvage points. So. Um, I, I think you have, if you don't count him as the favorite, I think you're foolish. I mean, I, do I, do I think he'll maybe win the most races? I don't know that, you know, I think, uh, you know, if Kenny didn't get hurt last year, he well could have, you know, rattled off five or six more wins. Um, and then Eli, who knows what's going to, you're going to do with him. If he comes out like he did in the outdoors, it could be trouble for everybody, but he has to stop, you know, making idiotic moves and crashing in bad times. So I don't know. I, I think it's, very up in the air, like you said. It's not like those years where you already said, okay, well, RC's going to win or MC's going to win. Or yeah, I think you can be any guy, anybody, and certainly in the um, the top five guys you would consider as contenders could easily take this title. Um, and I think all of them will probably win races. One hundred percent. And uh, as far as those top five contenders, uh, in my opinion, uh, the only guys that I, I feel have a serious, serious shot at this title uh, are Ryan Dungey, Eli Tomac, Ken Rocks, and Trey Kennard, and Stu. And uh, if we're both looking at uh, the notes that I sent to you, there's a million question marks next to Stu's name because uh, we don't know who's going to show up. Um, if uh, if James Stewart shows up and he's got his game face on and he's as confident as confident gets and everything is how it's supposed to be. You've got a totally different game here. We've, we've got a, a series that he could easily rattle off between eight and 10 wins and, and, and actually just, just, just to decimate the field. If what we, if we're going to, if we get what we've been getting for the last four, say five years or so, uh, we'll get a, a series where uh, James Stewart will have flashes of brilliance 
and uh, some very disappointing moments as well. And uh, usually those disappointing moments add up to a, a, a championship that's just about uh, evaporated uh, as of round five or six. Yeah, that's the thing with him. What, what's concerning about him is the fact that he had that year off, you know, and you, you would hope, I, I mean, obviously I don't expect him to be motoring down for 12 months straight, but you would think he would have been taking it a little more seriously than he seemed to be going into the, you know, the off season last year. If you look at him, he doesn't look to be, um, you know, ripped as Steve would say. He's not exactly in, doesn't look to be in peak form. And then he, he jacked himself up again at uh, Leo and, I, you know, you got to wonder where his where his training and all that stuff is right now. Um, and you know, he just catches up with you eventually. You know, he's still he's still probably one of the most talented guys, easily if not the most talented guy. Um, but you know, even you know, MC eventually that that wasn't enough at some point. You know, so the guys start catching you, and then that your natural talent is no longer enough to win when you get a guy like an Eli in there, or somebody who just has blazing speed. And is in amazing shape, and is you know on a great bike, and I don't know. I mean, do you think he's going to win any races this year? Honestly, um, I th- honestly, like I said, it. I feel like he's either going to win multiple or none. Like that's yeah. that's that's the thing with Stu. Like, and honestly, uh, if you if like you and I are huge social media guys, I'm probably more impressed with Stuart's speed last March or February than I am today. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of puzzling. I mean, yeah, I mean, he still has that raw speed, like he had it like for one straight lap at, at straight rhythm. I mean, he, he definitely has the talent. You saw, but I think it's telling to see how close Ryan Dungey was to him at that race. Yeah. You're talking about this is a this is an all out sprint, just raw speed on raw speed. And I'm thinking, you know, a 2013 Dungey doesn't isn't within you know. Can't smell his 20 feet at the finish. Yeah. Exactly. He, he's not even close. And I was like, holy crap, Dungey's like, he, he actually beat him one time. He's, he's on him. I was like, wow, that, that either, either Ryan has really stepped up his game or James has lost a step, you know? And I, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but you know, he, he probably will win a race. I mean, he'll have a night like he did in what was it? Toronto or whatever, two years ago where he just yeah. like does some crazy jump that nobody's wanted to do. Um, and that, that will probably happen, but I think he'll also, you know, yard sale himself at two or three rounds and that'll be the end of any title hopes, you know, and then there's just always some silly drama with him and, and who knows? I mean, it, it's good for the show to have Stewart out there for sure. Um, I, I personally think the days of him being much of a title threat are probably long since passed just because he hasn't shown that he has the ability to keep it on two wheels and take those seconds or thirds like a Ryan Dungey does. It's like he's, you know, willing to hang it out to the point where he's willing to throw it away. And, well, you know, that, unfortunately that, that bites you eventually. And then you have one or two of those races and you're no longer, you know, going to be in contention with a guy who's getting a second or a third on his bad night, you know? Exactly. It, it, uh, it's become a consistency game and I guess it always has been. Um, uh, but, uh, of course there's, we've had a couple of eras of, of guys who uh, were so dominant that, uh, their consistency was to be winning almost every weekend. Um, right. It, well, you we talk about Stanton earlier, think about Stanton's yeah. titles in 90 and 92, you know, he, he was actually very consistent in 91 too. So he hurt his shoulder at Pontiac That's and, right. you know, he, he didn't win those titles on raw speed. He wasn't, the only guy, the only year he was really the fastest guy, um, 
was maybe 89. And that was actually only after Ricky broke his arm. You yeah, know? That's right. So, uh, it, you know, sometimes you don't have to be the fastest guy, you know, but Bradshaw beat him six or seven more races that year in 92. And, uh, who came out as the title winner, you know? Totally. There's, there's almost, almost unmatched parody, uh, in, in this class than others. And, uh, not to say that the, uh, the top guys haven't been able to, um, distance themselves from the rest of the top guys or like have that one guy that breaks away. I just feel like the talent level of these top six, seven guys are, is just so high. Um, someone has to get seventh. You know what I mean? Like if you have like seven of the fastest races in the world, put them in the, put them on the track. Someone's going to get last place. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where for, for me, I'm excited to see uh, these guys throw down. It should be exciting. I mean, I think it's going to be, you have a lot of guys that are, you know, I think somebody like an Anderson or a Sealy is probably still going to be in the mix. Yeah. You know, sometimes I don't know that they're going to be up there every week. I think if you're looking for like a dark horse kind of guy that could be a challenger for the title, I'd say Cole Sealy is a, a good pick for that. Yeah. Um, but I think the problem is unlike a Ryan Dungey, what typically happens is these younger guys get a bad start at a race. And then instead of, doing like a really good guy like a Chad Reed was always famous for where, yeah, he might get a 10th place start, but by like the third turn, he's in second or third. A lot of these guys get caught up and don't make those moves quickly or do something stupid like Anderson does and ends up ramming somebody like Baggett and they both end up in a heap. Um, and that's what hurts the young guys. They have the speed a lot of times, but they, they make these idiotic moves that sometimes backfire on them. You know, I think you're going to see like there's plenty of guys that have the speed to win, the question is going to be, can, you know, like an Eli or a Kenny limit those bad things or same thing with Trey, Trey, another guy that probably has the legitimate speed to win, but he has unfortunately shown a propensity to, to do boneheaded maneuvers and you know hit the ground a few times. Totally. Like, uh, in my opinion, I think there's a higher chance ability that, uh, Stu pushes the front end and tweaks a wrist. Then he rattles off some wins. Yeah, you're probably exactly right. You know, you know that wrist is probably jacking up at some point. And uh, so let's uh, finish off the rest of those top performers. Uh, and uh, first, before I talk about uh, Ken Roxon, I wanted to uh, talk to you about um, Eli Tomac, a guy who's switching colors. He's one of the only guys in the. Uh, he's the only guy uh, within this group that'll be on a different bike for this year. He looked good on it. Uh, he looks fast. He's coming off of double shoulder surgery, which means uh, his body should be fresh. Uh, from all interviews that he's done, he sounds like. He's in a great frame of mind, and for once, his Alpine Star gear looks unbelievable. And Tony, I know you're happy about that. <laughs> that is by far the best move he's made so far. It's yeah. so funny. It seems like I guess the monster contract has reined in those, uh, you know, clown colors he normally wears. Yes, <laughs> it looks pretty good. I'm super. You know, what's funny is you know, Alpine Star is actually used to be good looking gear, you know, when Leslie and they were running it and they went yeah. with the KTM colors that look good. It's not the gear. I know in 03. Right. Exactly. That's good looking stuff. It's just, I, I still don't know if it's, you know, Eli and, and, uh, Barsha asking to wear this stuff or if it's somebody in Italy saying, Oh, this will be great. The Americans will love this crazy stuff. I don't know. If you look at the Euro guys that wear Alpine stars, their gear looks fine too. It's just our two guys here that look ridiculous. So yeah, there's I'm a glad couple to see of times. Rain it in a bit. 
This year, uh, you look at um, Hurlings. He runs the A-Star gear. Looked pretty clean cut. A couple of different colors on there, but nothing crazy. And then two years ago at A1, you had Justin Barsha with uh, like um, tinfoil stars all over him. And that was fun. So, um, it was different. I'll give him that. It was different. And sometimes different isn't better. Um, yeah, it goes good with the beard. But uh, and what doesn't go with a beard though? Um, <laughs> as far as like my like I, I put on my list here, Eli Tomek as my number two biggest threat to Ryan Dudgy for this title, uh, because um, in my opinion, uh, if he's able to pick up where he left off with the Nationals, uh, we could uh, have a pretty boring year for us. Uh, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, fastest man on the track on a regular basis this year is going to be uh, the number three. You know, you could be right. The only thing that makes me a little concerned is the, the double shoulder thing. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a lot to come back from. You know, he, he jacked himself up pretty bad in that, that Colorado crash. So that's, a, I guess, a question mark. You know, is he going to be – you know he's going to be fit cardiovascular. You know, John's going to have him out there training in Colorado. I'm sure he's right. busting his ass and everything else. But there's a difference between, you know, being in, you know, mountain bike or cycling shape and being in motocross shape and – that might be a question mark at first, but um, if he's healthy, he definitely has the speed to win and, and win the title. You know that I guess we'll we'll probably know within a round or two where he's at. You know if he if he gets the whole shot and then fades back to third or fourth, you know okay, well maybe maybe he's not quite where he needs to be. Um, but you know I guess we'll have to wait and see. And um, I, I totally agree. And you know what? Um, it's one like for me, Eli is. Uh, I wouldn't say a boomer bust, but uh, he has the ability to be extremely successful. But as we saw at uh, the first Atlanta round last year, he also has the ability to tuck that front end and uh, and and let it go. So, um, um, honestly, you like a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. I say Eli. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Trey. Yes. You know, the first year or two he moved up where he's got he obviously has that that crazy blazing speed that kind of James Stewart like you know, holy crap, did you see that speed? But I think he's sometimes a little too willing to push the envelope. You know, there's some of the point in time where you gotta go, okay, well the, the track's a little sketchy, not even need to back it down. And maybe that comes with experience. Um, but you know, he, he definitely he only seems to know one speed and that's balls out and sometimes that bites you. Uh, oh, totally agree. And uh, like one, one could almost question how much experience do these kids have to start to get after uh, this? Now he's now going into his sixth year of racing Supercross. Uh, coming into his, his first year was 2010. This is 2006. Um, pushing that envelope is something that he and Trey Kennard have always had uh, some issues with, whether it be in the 250 class, 450 class. Um, what like what at what point in their careers do these kids kind of take maybe take a couple of cues from a guy like Ryan Dungey that when the track is slick and gnarly, uh, backing it down is isn't always the the worst thing in the world. Right. Well, the the problem is it seems like some of the guys by the time they realize that they they have lost a little bit of that edge. They, you end up getting hurt a few times. You know, like a like a Bradshaw had like incredible speed, willing to be like that. But once he jacked his knee up and stuff, it didn't seem like he was inclined to, you know, push the envelope. Kind of lost the drive a little bit. So I guess the fine line between, you know, having that ability to know when to back it down, like a Chad Reed does typically, 
um, to, okay, well, maybe tonight I don't really have it. I'm, I'm willing to take that second. And then, you know, maybe backing it down too much like a Damon Huffman who had great ability, but once he got hurt a couple of times, no longer wanted to take those risks. And that's the thing. It's like you hurt yourself enough. I know I personally for me, you know, you, you hit the ground hard enough after a few times you go, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And you know, maybe you lose a little bit of that desire. So what's amazing is a guy like Stewart. That's kind of what makes Stewart kind of so amazing is the fact that he has hit the ground hard a lot and he seems to be unfazed by it to the point where he's still willing to, to hang it out so much. And that's pretty rare. You know, most guys, you know, they only do that so many times before it starts affecting them. Um, and they decide, Hey, I, I don't want to take those risks anymore. Yeah. And they become, you know, they're still Gun fast. Shot. Like, a, yeah, like a Kevin Windham, for example, a guy who had the speed and the ability, you know, but wasn't as comfortable pushing that envelope. And the older he got, you know, he'd have a night where he was like, everything was right. And he was the fastest guy maybe, but those were rare. If it didn't seem like it was coming together for him, he wasn't willing to push that envelope. And, you know, there's a few small window with these guys. You know, you only have a few years to really make it or people start thinking you're you're washed up. So it's it's a pretty tough deal, you know. Hundred percent, and uh, and that's one of the only things that really kind of uh, makes me wonder what's going through the head of a Trey Kennard because the guy's broken his le- his femur a, a, a couple of times, a couple of other bad leg injuries, uh, wrist injuries, back injuries, um, yeah. and uh, like the guy's always been known for like jumping in and just going fast, um, but as of late, the last couple of years. A little bit less, you know what I mean? It's like he doesn't quite have that same edge, even even in his riding style. I don't think it's quite where it was a la 2008-9 when uh, he had first turned pro and just like absolutely twisting the throttle, trying to break that throttle cable. Yeah, I mean, unless there's something wrong with you in your head, I don't see how that can't not affect you in some way when you, you know, bust your femur twice and broke your back. And I mean, that stuff has to, I mean, these guys are all great in the fact that I think for the most part, they put that out of their mind. I mean, obviously if it gets to the point where you're thinking about it, where you're on the track, then that's like a guy like Kevin Williams says, you know what, I I need to get out of this. Um, And I don't think he's anywhere near to that point. Obviously he seems to be a guy who can just push it out of his mind, but I, I just don't know how you can, say that doesn't affect you in some way to saying, you know, Hey, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, at some point I think guys like Trey who keep getting hurt are thinking, okay, I just want to get through the season. I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm just going to try and make sure I make every round instead of saying, I'm going to go out and kick everybody's butt. You know, at some point I think a, a switch flips in your mind, even maybe subconsciously. And that's when the guys start to maybe lose a, you know, a half a second here or there. Absolutely, totally agree, and I think that uh, might be something that uh, that keeps Trey uh, back a little bit, and that's why. I, although I do have him at top performance because of his potential, his upside uh, is definitely there. But uh, mentally, I'm not sure that uh, that he's 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 100 percent ready to win this championship. And honestly, in my opinion, same could be said for the 94. Ken Roxon, um, like there's. He's got talent, he's got speed, he's marketable, he's got some of the flashiest looking gear in the world, he's got one of the baddest looking Suzuki's out there, but 
I'm not sure if the uh, the chemistry on the team and uh, Kenny's got the right mindset, the right headspace to uh, to link wins together. I could be totally wrong, but uh, in my humble opinion, the '94 may have issues. Yeah, that, he's a question mark for me because it, after all the drama that went down last year with you know him and the RCH team, and um, I just wonder. He seems obviously if you follow him on social media, everything seems peachy, and who knows? They're, they're not going to say anything other than everything's great. But I think obviously anybody who followed it knows there was a lot of uh, internal friction last year. And I'll, I'll be curious to see if that's in the past because obviously he has the speed. I mean, he came out and racked off a couple of wins and everybody thought, Oh my God, you know, after the couple of rounds, they're like, you know, it's going to be rocks and title to lose. And then the, you know, kind of the wheels kind of came off the bus there, but um, he, he could come out and smoke everybody and be like he was outdoors, you know, two years ago and uh, take the title. It it wouldn't shock me, but I think it wouldn't shock me either if um, things go sideways and, you know, he's fighting with the team again and stuff. Hopefully they got that stuff sorted out because I, I like kid. He's a, he seems like a really cool kid, and I want to see him be successful. And I'd like to see Su- Suzuki be successful because Suzuki certainly had some tough times in the last you know last decade or so. So it'd be good for them to have him up front. Um, but you know, for me at least, he's a big question mark. I guess we'll have to see how it shakes out. Hundred percent. I, I I reserve most uh, prediction and judgment on uh, Ken Roxon until I see him race a few rounds, and uh, of course, this one coming up, looking to be uh, a soggy one, uh, might not even mean much. So uh, the the jury is still out on uh, on Ken Roxon. Uh, let's uh, take a quick commercial break here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. We're going to come right back and chat a little bit about uh, the best of the rest and uh, and and the rest of the 450 class for uh, 2016. We'll be right back on Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing and X-Brand Goggles. Cowboy Kenny Bartram here. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial, but don't go away. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. Bees, Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. 
Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Much 2014 X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. 
two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone-look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cook. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast Show still on the line here with Tony Blazer, uh, the Motocross Vault on Facebook as well as YouTube. And uh, you can find him uh, on Instagram at Tony Blazer, one of the most popular motocross uh, Instagram pages in and for as far as my in my opinion, worldwide, you you've got quite the following, my friend, and uh, a, an account that really offers uh, some substance to your content, uh, not just posting uh, the latest hottest bike with uh, the the hottest bling on there, like the some of the uh, the big the big post the pages out there. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. I try to put some stuff on there for a little bit for everybody. Sometimes people yell at me for putting a quad up or some other thing, but I try to I try to use a variety of stuff in there to keep it interesting for everybody. Hey, and I, I make sure to try and like as much of that quad and three wheeler stuff just to let you know that uh, you're appreciated, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. It's funny actually. If you look at the stuff that I have the most comments on, it's usually three wheeler pictures. <laughs> but some of that is hate, but still, it gets a lot of comments. So. Hey, it's all about getting uh, attention to the uh, to the page, man. And uh, if a three wheeler creates a conversation, then uh, all, all all the better power to you. Yeah, like, like to say, any press is good press, so you can't complain. That's right. Um, and uh, and you you would know that uh, like all all like you embrace the haters when you go out and purchase a, a Honda Fat Cat. So <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't. Uh... Be too proud after I say I've done that and tell everybody I own the damn thing. So what can I say? There you go. Um, so let's talk about the best of the rest. And uh, instead of uh, attacking each guy one by one, which we could sit here for the next three hours, and you're an hour ahead of me, so uh, uh, and you got to go to work tomorrow morning. So uh, let's let's kind of try to speed through these guys a little better. Um, Anderson, Seeley, Barsha, Purcell, Wilson, Moosecan. I just named five guys. That uh, or six guys rather um, that could easily uh, I could see all fo- all six of the guys go those guys make podiums I could see all six of those guys being outside the top ten am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I mean, I think I think a few of the guys are legitimate shots and, and a win or two at least. Yeah. Uh, I think Anderson, Seeley, and Barsha certainly are are favorites to probably get a win. I I, I think. Uh, I mean, Seeley won last year. Anderson certainly had the speed at certain times, but he was erratic. Barsha, you know, last year, I think, in Supercross was kind of an aberration. I guess the question will be um, how where his head's at, because it seemed like most of his problem was mental, because actually after he had that uh, that moto at Bud's Creek, and he kind of said, oh, yeah, yeah, I can win, and he was all of a sudden, you know, wanting to fight for it. 
And I think when things go a little sideways um, inside his head, his, his results go a little sideways too. So that's, but he certainly has the speed. Um, Porcel, man, that's that, who the hell knows with him. I mean, I think he'll probably be the fastest guy in qualifying it, and then you know still get tenth. Who knows? You know, if everything fell right, I think you're right. He could get a podium. Certainly, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, he'd be a good guy to pick this weekend. You know, if it's rainy or muddy, he'd get out front, get a good start, and just ride smooth and, you know, click off 20 laps. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, Wilson, man, I don't know. I, I, I like Dean a lot, but he's going to have to show that he's got this whole arm pump thing straightened out and um, the mental side of the thing straightened out. He's had a tough couple of years. Uh, he's another guy with a lot of potential, but like we were talking about earlier, how many times he hit the ground? He seems like a guy who's hit the ground a lot, and it may have affected him to the point where he's no longer is willing to hang it out. And I, I certainly wouldn't judge anybody for that. It's perfectly understandable, but uh, I hope I hope he has a good year. And then uh, Marvin, he's um, I think he definitely has the potential to get a podium. I don't know I don't know if he'll win a race this year. You know, being a rookie, it's that's usually not how it goes down, but. It wouldn't surprise me if he won if everything you know turned out right. I absolutely agree. Uh, two of the guys I feel like their confidence uh, hinges on their ability to, to um, contest and be a contender in this championship. If Anderson or Barsha were somehow on the top of the podium come uh, come Saturday night, um, like absolutely th- throw your your contenders in a like in a hat after that because those guys uh, all of a sudden inject some confidence. All of a sudden, those guys could start being uh, a, a regular in the top three. Yeah, I think you're right. Didn't Anderson get a second at like one of the first two rounds? Phoenix, last year? I think he did. Phoenix yeah, last he, year, he it was uh, Tomac Anderson, uh, and uh, or maybe it was the the first round. I think he actually might have been on the first first round. round. Yeah, it was at the first round. He ended up coming out swinging and uh, for whatever reason plateaued throughout the middle of the season. But uh, a win would, like, for either him or Barsha, I think would be huge for their confidence. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, um, I think Anderson proved a couple years ago he had the speed to be a front runner when he was, you know, on on the, the 250. And last year, even on the 450, he had, like, blazing speed at times. Um, but he basically had a typical rookie season where the guy shows potential, shows a lot of speed, but makes some boneheaded moves. Um, maybe he gets that behind him this year. You know, he's a year, you're smarter, you're wiser. And I'm sure Alden has, you know, been drilling him about, Hey, you know, keep your, keep your senses about you when you're on the track and don't do something stupid. You know, I think if, if him or Barsha were to get a win or something, I think then, then some of these other guys, could be in trouble because, you know, and Anderson definitely has the speed to run up front and so does Barsha. Um, and Barsha certainly proven that, you know, if he wants it, he's really willing to fight for it. He's not going to just pull over. He, he just in center punch you out of the way if you try to pass him. So um, if, if he, he gets off to a good start and gets some confidence, the other guys could be in trouble, you know? Absolute. And uh, for, for for the best of the rest category, I think it actually does, like you said, I think uh, you kind of touched on it. I think it comes down to aggression. Who's willing to force themselves higher into that uh, that, that next level or be the, the lead of this group? And uh, I think the two, the two that uh, possess the most amount of aggression, guys that are willing to, uh, to bring that out in their riding style every single weekend are uh, the Barshas and the Andersons of the world. Um, and on the 
the opposite end of that spectrum, I kind of see Sealy and uh, and Moosecan as guys that uh, if there's pressure, if there's uh, if like the the bullets are flying, those guys, uh, in my opinion, even though they're extremely fast, they tend to lay uh, to lay up a little bit. Yeah, I put Porcel in that same category too. I that, agree. Uh, oh, totally. He, he's got this. I think all three of those guys have tons of speed. But yeah, it seems like if somebody's really all over them, they'd you know be more comfortable maybe letting that guy go as opposed to getting into a fight most of the time. Why do you so, hate French people? Well, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to go down that road. <laughs> I like TV. That's yeah, true. Fine. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, um, even maybe even uh, Purcell more than Moosecan, a guy who, uh, if if he's at all feeling a bit of his fatigue and doesn't feel like he can race with whoever's behind him, uh, that guy's getting that position. And uh, but um, either way, I think that uh, Purcell is going to be the fastest guy in a just one helmet all year long. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I know. guess the bag is out. So right, exactly. I don't know when he's coming back. So you're that so thing is pumped about By the way, just saying. You, you, I know you love the Euro helmets between uh, oh, uh, God. CP and uh, and Anderson. You're just like all over those Euro helmets and the just ones. Oh, I'm sorry. I think they're goofy looking. This is my personal opinion. That's but fine. I think they're goofy That's looking. That's fine. Uh, I mean, they're better than like a BFE or something, I guess. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, also, not like just as a total side note, I'm not sure if you've noticed that almost nobody runs a Thor helmet anymore. I hadn't noticed that. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of funny, but you're right. Like, oh, oh, like I can't think of a single rider um, on this list that would be running a Thor helmet. But, you know, man, let's be honest. Thor has gone... You know they're taking a dive. I don't know what they got going on over there, but no idea. I, I think they, I think they've had some uh, changes in focus and ownership and stuff. Because um, Thor was in the early two thousand, Thor was on it. I, I, I totally. love that stuff that Chad Reed ran and stuff. I still have a Thor Chad Reed replica helmet in my garage. That that was a sweet lid. Yeah, the Thor and, Force helmet, right? Yeah, it's great. I, I love. Yeah, it. I still have some cool Thor like um, casual wear that you know look kind of like yeah. Chad's when they had the Paisley like. jerseys and the, yeah, yeah, it still looks good now. That was some good stuff. The old um, Dukes of Hazard look and everything. It was cool. Yeah. And then the last few years, man, it is it is it's not ugly like A stars. It's just blah. You know, it's like they don't yeah. give a crap. Yeah, like it's, it's like kind a, of they're, like, they're going uh, the Fox out through the late two thousands. Like you look at their entire catalog and you're like. Oh, I don't want any of it. Yeah, exactly. It's sad. It's like somebody just lost their way for a little bit there. I don't know what's going on with them. I see it. Um, but uh, a company that has come back strong after, uh, yeah, like, like I would say, dropping the ball a little bit in the late 2000s, Fox, um, they're going to have at least two of the top uh, two of the top riders all year long as well as uh looks like the PC team will be looking good in that stuff. We'll touch that on that a little bit later uh when we talk about the 250s for uh, a moment or two. But um like just I want to throw a couple of names at you uh aside from uh, the best of the rest, guys who should be better uh but based on such a stacked field, such a deep field, uh may only be able to throw it up in the top 5, top 8 uh on a quasi regular basis. A guy like Davy Millsaps, a guy who literally last time he raced this championship full-time led the points up until almost halfway through. Um 
Chad Reed, who today we found out is going to be on a factory Yamaha um, and uh, won't be running the camera that he's featured with uh, on his on his uh, his ad there. But either way, he'll like. Can you see Chad getting top fives, or is he more of an eight to twelve guy? Man, that's tough. I, I would love. I mean, I'm a huge Chad Reed fan. I always have been. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. With I mean, I didn't think he was going to win a race last year. You know what I mean? It seemed like he's uh, proves everybody wrong every time. I, I, I don't see him being a title contender all the way through the year because it seems like when he's tried to run the pace up front of the current guys, he has that ability, but it's bit him. Yeah. You know, it seems like he's he's yard sailed himself like last couple of years. So. I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't count him out. If he if he if I had to bet, I'd say he'll definitely get some podiums. I'd say maybe a, three podiums and maybe a, one win, but even that is probably like the upper limit. I, I don't see another 2011 coming or something where he's you know a title contender. It's just you can only keep doing that so long, you know. And then the, this whole thing feels a little bit rushed. Thank, I mean, thankfully for him, he's been on a Yamaha the last, you know, or four or five months. Um, so it's not like he's jumping on the bike a week before the season goes, but you got to feel there's been a little bit of some, you know, turmoil with trying to get the, the team sorted out, who's going to be his mechanic and yada, yada. So totally. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how prepared he is. You know, if he's been motoring down this whole time and had the bikes dialed and his training program dialed, I would say, yes, he's, he's a threat for the win, but I just don't get that feeling that he's, got everything sorted out, you know, and ready to go. Absolutely. I think that uh, the from the outside, it's, it looks like a really solid program. You've got, oh, we're back on factory Yamaha. Sweet. We got the shift gear. We look like our bikes look really tight. Everything's awesome. But the, the mental side of the rider, I think that Chad Reed, um, deep down in his heart of hearts, knows that he doesn't have what it takes to um, battle like tooth and nail with these these kids that are just starting their 450 career and he's in the twilight of his and getting up there and challenging them week after week after week um i think if chad reed is is to get a win it's similar to last year with this perfect storm of a couple of the top guys either being out um ryan denji or another one of the top contenders having a bad start and he's able to just run away long enough to hold on to a victory and i honestly can't see a scenario like that happening outside of rounds 14 15 16 17 Right, and you hope that he's still on the on the track at that point. Because the exactly. last couple of years, it seems like he's you know jacked himself up and, at some point and not been able to stay on the track. So, I mean, that was obviously for the first decade of his career, his strength was the fact that he did not crash, he did not you know miss rounds. He was like Ryan Dungey is now, where he was solid. He wasn't the fastest guy. He was the guy who would get second or third, but he was always there, and he almost won several titles just on consistency alone. So. I mean, I'd love to see him, you know, honest to God, if he makes every round, I think that's a win. I mean, I know Chad, and he's one of the rare guys that doesn't seem to ever doubt himself, at least externally show it. Um, he seems to have great mental fortitude in that way. But like you said, at some point you got to look at everybody else realistically and say, well, maybe I don't have the raw speed of a, you know, an Eli or something like that. And 
I could be wrong though. I, I'd love to be wrong. I, he's, I, I love him and I, I hope to hell he goes out and kicks everybody's ass, but, um, I think he'd be a fool to bet on that, you know? Well, you would either be a fool or look like a genius if it works. That's the only, there's, there's only two yeah. sides of that coin. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just not a gambling man. I, I hope <laughs> I'm wrong though. I hope he goes out and kicks everybody's ass Saturday. Fair enough. Now, uh, this is more of a, an all-year encompassing question, but uh, in your opinion, who has a better chance to be riding factory equipment next year? And I mean on basically the, the full-blown factory effort. Um, Brock Tickle or Will Hahn? Oh, wow. Um, I would say I would say Tickle because Tickle is Tickle's been able to do what Will Hahn hasn't which has been a solid number two guy. Because the factories, you know, most of these teams don't want to have Rick Johnson and David Bailey and Johnny O'Meara on that. That's number one, it costs a fortune, and number two, it causes friction in the team. They like to have their Ryan Villapoto and their Jake Weimer. And uh, Tickle is a perfect wingman in that he's a solid guy who can get a top five and makes it to every round. Um, and I think that's, that's a valuable talent when you have so many teams that end up having to have replacement riders. And unfortunately, Will is, I love the kid, but he's had, you know, terrible. I mean, last year he didn't even make it out. I watched it live happen on the first practice. He just had this weird deal where he augured himself in. You're like, what the hell happened? You know? And unfortunately he's done that repeatedly. So it's, it's tough. I, I think if he makes it past a one, everybody's going to breathe a sigh of relief. Cause remember he jacked himself up there before on the, the lights bikes too, you know? So, I just uh, if I had to predict it, I think the answer is tickle for sure. Okay, yeah, totally. I don't know. For me, the number fifty-four on a factory any machine just looks weird. Like, I mean, it's kind of surprising to be it, honest. It's not a, a when it's not a permanent number. You know what I mean? Like that's a bit of a head scratcher. Well, that's true. I mean, I hope, I hope he keeps it on two wheels and doesn't hurt himself again. That's the important thing at totally. this point. He's okay. You know, I hope that, you know, when the kid's fifth, you know, 30, when he's 30, that he's, uh, you know, walking with a limp and all jacked up, you know, it's, he's beating himself to death, you know? Right on. So, uh, top performing rookies, uh, Bogle or, uh, or Moose can, who's going to be a guy who is, um, challenging to be at the front of that. Uh, I know Bogle has his, his 250 title. It's a uh, East title. Um, and, uh, I feel like he might've gotten it one of the year that wasn't exactly, uh, that one kind of fell into his lap. That's the year where AC got hurt. Uh, actually the entire two PC team got decimated and he just walked into that championship after, uh, uh, Davalos, uh, KO'd himself at the ankles. Um, I'm not sure if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on Justin Bogle. I know he's got leg swag. I know he's going to be looking fast, but um, I, I don't think the combination of an Arai helmet uh, answer gear is going to uh, come up with uh, a good equation. <laughs> I, I Yeah, unfortunately, I like Justin. He seems like a cool kid, but um, I agree with you. I mean, I think... Um, Muskin should have, uh, if you look at his credentials and everything else, and we obviously the kid's hugely talented. Um, I think you'd, you'd be a fool to predict that Bogle would finish out the year, barring injury in any case, yeah. would finish out the year ahead of Muskin. I, I think Muskin, you know, is a realistic threat to be on the podium 
in every round, I think, you know, as long as he gets a good start. And he's, yeah. if he gets a start behind, you say he gets a second place start, there's no reason to think he's not going to end up at second at the end of the race. Or even first, if, you know, maybe midway through, they start to get some confidence. Bogle, he gets the whole shot. I think all day long he finishes in seventh or eighth. I mean, I. I just don't see him running that leader's pace. Honestly. I just saw it last year. Like he just like when him and Mar- Martin wasn't even having a great series in the East, and Bogle was just nowhere to be found most of the time. Like he was just like, I'm running the number one. Hi, I'm here in fourth place. Yeah, I mean it's, uh, he's in the 250 class. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying, and I think you're right. I mean, he did have he did show a little bit of speed outdoors a couple times when he rode 450 at the end of the year, but um, that's hard to say. You know, maybe, maybe he'll ride better on a 450. Some guys do, but he he didn't show anything on the 250s really because you're right. Even when he won that title, it wasn't like he was you know just smoking these dudes, and it was a depleted field. And yes, he did win, but uh, it, it wasn't like the kind of the kind of championship run where you're like, oh my god, this guy's gonna you know, kill everybody. And half the time, the 250s don't amount to anything. I mean, look how many guys have won the 250 class and never done anything in the big bikes. It happens all the time. Exactly. Like, and there are guys that just, yeah, they just don't have uh, the right combination of speed to uh, to be be a front runner. Like, they can be a guy who makes up that 8 to 12 range or the the, the 6 to six to 10 range, but uh, they don't quite have that that speed, that consistency to get over the hump. And uh, I think uh, Bogle is going to be, uh, like, he'll be given some opportunities. It's, I don't think anyone's going to, like, see, like, one rookie season of on 450s that just doesn't work and, and see later. But uh, um, I can consistently see Justin Bogle uh, looking at uh, the back of the jerseys of guys like, Weston Pike, uh, possibly even Millsaps, and a guy like Brayton. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think he's. I think he should. He should be able to beat Millsaps. I mean, Millsaps should. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on. He wouldn't tell anybody last year, but he's. A, I, I had higher expectations for him. He, he seemed even when he was before he got fired, he was way off the pace. Yeah. So I think he has an opportunity to beat like a Millsaps, unless you know Davey comes out and really surprises people. But yeah, I, I don't think he has you know, the speed to, to run and beat West, a guy like a Weston Pike who was finishing on podiums last year. You know, he, he's a legitimate threat to get top fives every week, I think now. And I just don't know that, you know, Bogle's going to have that speed at least initially. Total bench racing question. But if, if Suzuki hadn't done the terrible uh, marriage with Kawasaki to make that god awful two fifth Suzuki two fifty F for two thousand and four and five, um, and Davy Millsaps would have had a quality Suzuki under him for his entire career. Would his would his career be completely different? That's a good question. I mean, I think I think his first year was actually on an RM one twenty five. Only first. in Supercross. Yeah, only in Supercross. Um, that's a good question. Well, it, it wasn't like even when he got on Hondas that he all of a sudden blew everybody's doors off. You know, he did win that, that Supercross title. Yes. Davey's an enigma. I think Davey's issue has always been more mental. He he, he's had, he's had, exactly. He's had, he has the, the physical abilities. Um, he certainly has the talent. I don't know that he's over had maybe that only that one year, that one year in what was it? 13 or whatever, where he seemed to have everything lined up for him. He was healthy. His head was on straight. He was on um, a Suzuki. He was on a Suzuki and a good bike. You know, I, I don't know. You, you put him on the best bike in the class 
and I'm not so sure Davy Millsap is still going to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. You put a guy on a Ricky Carmichael on a piece of crap, and he still smokes everybody because he's he's mentally tougher than everybody. Oh, and a piece I just of crap think, like the O2 CR250. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with with a freaking a chop shock and the handlebars in his lap, and he says, you know, f it, I'm just going to pin this bitch and beat you, and. and I just don't know that – I think Davey's problems go a lot deeper than the motorcycle. Let's just say that. Fair enough. Now, um, before we switch to a, a short conversation about 250s, um, realistically, I've na- we've named off – we've gone through over 20 guys who uh, who are – basically, that, that makes up your, your top 20. And uh, the, the rest of the guys who I feel have a decent shot at making the main this Saturday. Um, and, of course, the, the rain throws a, like some weird things into it. Uh, you might have some guys that normally would be in the LCQ uh, in the like, in this, like make it through a heat race or make it through a semi. Uh, but uh, Jake Weimer, uh, Chisholm, Tommy Hahn, Nick Schmidt, Alex Ray, uh, and the Seven Double Deuce – are all guys who uh, very quite likely could be on the outside looking in uh, on Saturday night. Well, that's true. I mean, every now and then, obviously, at almost every A1, there's going to be somebody that gets in that you don't expect to happen because somebody will have a problem in the heat or the semi or something, especially if it rains. I mean, I I think you pretty much can throw all that out the window. Anything really strange can happen if the weather's bad, but... And you, you could probably see. I hope. I hope Jake finds a way. You know, Weimer finds a way to make it in. I hope Chis. I think. Uh, you know, I think Chisholm is getting some better support this year and stuff. So, I, you know, I, I'd love to see those guys making it to Maine. But yeah, when you look at that list of the twenty guys who on paper should be there, it's hard to see how they they fit in. I mean, I could see them beating a, a Freeze or or a Lessie not making the main. You know, something like that. A Lessie to me is a huge question mark after. You know, the, what's, he certainly didn't set the world on fire last year, and it's hard to see how he's going to do. So, yeah, I could see him, you know, getting beat out for a place. I, I don't know about – I mean, I think for, you know, somebody like Intignap to make it, you probably have to have some other guys get hurt or have some issues probably, realistically. Um, I think Jake Weimer, there's no reason that kid should not be in the main. You know, Tommy Hahn, I don't know about that. It's um, it could happen, certainly, um, but I, again, I think that some of those guys you mentioned, they're going to probably need some things to fall their way to make it into the night, you know, the main event. Absolutely. I was just going over basically uh, who's got national numbers and uh, and who's going to be making um, some strides. And, uh, like, for honestly, like if, if Adam Antiknap makes the main event this Saturday, I think he has a better chance of making it out of a semi than he does out of uh, LCQ. Agree? Yeah, you're right. If he gets a good start, and you know, again, it's been obviously I've spent a lot on what if it's a normal race, dry weather and stuff, it'll be a lot different. But if, it, yeah. if the weather's bad, I mean, anything can happen. He can make it out of the heat. All it takes is a nasty pileup in the first turn, and he gets a good start. And you know, the the the, the those heats and semis are short races, so you really just need to, you know sprint for a short amount of time and get a little gap if anybody else has problems behind you you can make the main i mean i i think that you know somebody like adam and some of these other guys will make mains as the year goes on but it's always tough at the first round when you know when everybody's there yeah 
I don't, we don't even know what, what Tevin Tapia is bringing to the event. I could quickly check to see what bike he's on, but that's as far as, uh, my research goes on the, uh, yeah. uh I think he's number 99 now. Is he? I yeah. Know. I saw that Josh Grant, I don't think even, even entered. And I Yo. guess he's not even going to race. You know, it's like, wow. I think he and, um, Josh Hill have decided to go out to the desert and throw whips. Yeah, well, Hill's uh, like the monster guy now, so I, yes. yeah, I, I understand his decision. He that was a smart decision for him. That's a that's a good move for him. So I don't know what that Josh Grant's going to do though. Do you think that um, uh, just Josh Hill's first order of business was to have a heart to heart conversation with? Um, Hanny about not coming. Uh, Josh Hansen about uh, not coming back as a sponsored rider the next year. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that whole thing. I mean, Hanny's obviously been the kind of guy that goes on way his entire career. So I don't know. I mean, and I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall for some of those conversations, but Lord only knows what's going on with him. I think we'd both have to be flies on the wall with an entire with an altered state of reality to understand what's going on. <laughs> probably right about that <laughs> so uh before i let you go uh, and I'm, of course I'm, t- I'm already taking more time uh than i'd hoped to but uh quick thoughts on the uh on the 250 class um we just finding out who's on the basically who's registered for this class uh via racer x's pre-entry list uh which was put out like two days ago which was it's just i I love it so much this is the equivalent of the uh for our sport uh the nfl having preseason camp and having preseason games and never telling anyone what the uh what the results were of all those games and how the preparation is and then first game of the first year this is what the nfl looks like yeah, it's pretty retarded. I love it. Um, but um, your re- returning championship uh, contender, Cooper Webb, who uh, hasn't stopped twisting a throttle since uh, January of last year, uh, will continue to do so. He's my title favorite. Jesse Nelson, I feel, is going to be there every single weekend. And um, I, I've heard mixed uh, rumors about Tyler Bowers whether or not he's going to be uh, all systems go for Saturday. But uh, either way, I think my top contender from the PC team, who are all wearing this beautiful Fox gear, uh, is going to be uh, Joyce Vachi. You think Joe, you said Joyce Vachi is your top pick? Is that what you said? My top pick from the PC team, yes. Oh, from PC. I was like, wow, I don't know how to go that way. No. Yeah, yeah, Savachi so probably is, because I think, I don't know how, you know, how ready Tyler is with the whole thing with his back. You know, who knows if he's a hundred percent ready to go. I, I, I get the impression. I thought he was going to probably run East because of that, but I guess, I guess it looks like he's in the pre-entry list. So I guess we'll find out. Um, I'd love to see another Tyler Bowers, Cooper Webb battle again. And that was really entertaining last year. But my personal opinion is I think Cooper's just going to, he's going to murder these guys. I, I don't think it's going to be close. I think he, he could easily sweep all these races in my opinion. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you you might see a Jesse Nelson, like you said, get in there. I think he's Jesse has got the speed to win. Uh, Savachi, even maybe a Christian Craig. You know, Craig, I, I, he's one guy I really want to see how it's going to turn out after you know basically retiring and getting a real job for a short amount of time and coming back. Um, I'd love to see him win a race, but man, I think I think Cooper Webb is ready for the 450 class. I think he's just buying his time and he's about to lay the smack down on these guys. 
Yes, uh, this season for me, uh, for for Cooper Webb, feels like 2004 for James Stewart. Like, the kid's ready to move up, but he's not being forced out, so you'll spend as much time in the 250 class as you should so that you can uh, uh, dominate, develop, this all, all that fun stuff. Uh, you don't want to move up too early, but uh, he's, a, he's a man among, among boys, and uh, he's racing in a class of, um, like... Most of these guys, I don't think uh, can 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 hold a hold a candle to this guy. Like the, he's he's just too fast. He's he's got the skill set. Uh, he rides with uh, some of the fastest guys in the entire world. Uh, he's like he's renting a track right now with Will Hahn and um, I believe Cole Seeley. The three of those, like yep, th- those Cole are Seeley, yeah. Like Cole Seeley, if he's if it, if he's at all matching the pace of Cole Seeley on a four fifty on his two fifty. Sorry, guys. Lights out for the rest of the four, the 250 class. They won't be able to touch them. I, I agree. And I think the only thing that's good, though, Monkey Wrench is, you know, he did have a couple of, you know, pretty good get-offs from time to time. And he did, you know, I didn't think he was going to make that one race last year where he went over the bars real bad and practice. You know what I mean? Like maybe two rounds from the end. And that that's, that's probably the only thing, I think, in my opinion, that could prevent him from just walking away from this thing is if he crashes, hurts himself. I, I think if he stays healthy, he just checks out and he's done. Absolutely. Uh, totally agree. The only guys who I could see um, get putting in some uh, some really good rides or really impressive rides to threaten for that championship, Nelson, Martin, Osborne, and uh, but honestly, I can't really predict anything too special from, from any on anything like either of the PC guys or um, – like a, a Jordan Jordan Smith or a, a Christian Craig, for that matter. I really don't know what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I could be wrong, obviously. You know, it could be, like you said, a mutter this weekend or something, and then you could have a Jesse Nelson. I mean, Alex Martin, who's proved he has great speed in the mud. They, they could have a fluke victory. Who the heck knows? But I think if it's a traditional supercross on a nice prep track, uh, Cooper should have the guys covered. Um, I'd love to see Alex, you know, do well. That'd be awesome. It'd be a great story to see him come out there and win a race. Um, but I think if everything is equal, I don't know that anybody else is going to be able to to run with him. You know, uh, couldn't agree more. And unfortunately uh, for you, my friend, I don't believe anyone is uh, is is representing your home state. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think so. Uh, well, no, you know. Um, Technically, Zach is is a Virginia boy. He's from down where I live. Okay. So he used to race at Bud's Creek and stuff. So I, yeah. I still claim Zach Osborne. Zach right. is my guy. Fair so enough. He, even though he doesn't live there anymore, he's still he's still he's still proud of being a Virginia boy. He talks to me all the time about it. So it's uh, I still claim it. Um. So uh, in my opinion, like, okay, I want to get your thoughts on this because uh, Zach Osborne has been a professional motocross racer for over 10 years. Um, and he's still in the 250F class, uh, a guy who in amateurs was supposed to be that next great kid. Um, at what point has his window kind of gone past as far as being a 250 championship winner and then going on to having any type of 450 career? Because like... But uh, like by my watch, he's going to be um, by the time he's a three-year vet in the 450 class, he's going to be like 38. Well, I mean, I love Zach. I hope he goes out and kicks butt this year. But um, 
at this point in his career, I think honestly, if he doesn't do it this year, it's probably not going to happen for him um, in the 250 class or the 450 class, most likely. But that doesn't mean he's still. I could see Zach going on and having a like a Mike Brown type career where you know he's big into off road and stuff, maybe transitioning to something like that if it doesn't work out. And um, he still had a great career, no matter what you say about it. I, I just don't know that he has the raw speed to be, you know, the guy, like we're talking about Cooper Webb being, you know what I mean? I certainly think he's a podium threat. Um, he certainly could get a podium or two. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if he, he came out and won a race, I would be maybe a little surprised, but I would be like, oh, my God, it's not like, you know, you know, um, Ricky Ryan winning in 87 at Daytona or something. It's not like it wouldn't be a complete shock. But um, I don't think at this point he's shown – I mean – I don't. I can't even remember him really leading a race, you know, even for any length of time. He's been up up towards the front, um, but hasn't shown that speed up to now. But you know, I know he's been training with the Tomax and stuff, so maybe he'll come out firing and surprise me, you know. Absolutely. Now, uh, like for for me, um, the rest of the field is made up of teams um, that uh, the the teams themselves and the riders and the numbers are so. I, know, like, I might offend some guys here, but they seem so interchangeable to me. Um, like your uh, Trevor Reese, Michael Lee, Scott Champion, Hayden Melross, Colt Nichols. Uh, Cole Martinez, like all of those guys, you could like put them in a, a blender, pour them out every single which way, and never be surprised with the results. Yeah, I agree. I mean, most of the behind the really top guys, um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys shuffle around in that uh, those other places behind the top five every week. You know, I don't think any of those guys stands out as like, oh my god. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to see. The, I mean, there are a few out there that. Somebody like a Zach Bell, let's say, who's shown a lot of raw speed yeah. um, at times. And something like that, it wouldn't surprise me. We've seen that in the past where all of a sudden some kid puts it together and you're like, oh, wow, where'd that, where's that been? You know, even a, uh, a Martin Davalos, who for years and years is underwhelmed and all of a sudden came out and was winning races a couple of years ago. So it could happen. But I think by and large, you know, who we expect to be the guys up front or, or who who's going to be up front. And a lot of these guys are going to be fighting for, you know, eighth through 20th most of the time. I, I agree. These guys like uh, a, a guy like Zach Bell, um, Ross speed wise has the ability. I'm not sure if on the West coast, but possibly on the East to be a, a top five guy could happen. I know he's got that speed. Will it happen? No idea. Cause he could KO himself during practice. Um, the one guy for me that, uh, poses the, the biggest wild card of like basically upside potential is that, uh, Peabody, Massachusetts, James Dakotas, um, back on the, uh, <laughs> Jimmy, D. Jimmy D back on the, uh, the, the, Factory Connection team, the the Geico team for the second uh, tilt. Um, in his words, better program than he was on in 2011 because in 2011 he was basically given uh, a couple of race bikes, a couple of practice bikes, and um, you you win what you get. So uh, and and go man go. I think this time they've uh, they've brought him right down to California. He's still like he's a lot of things are getting. He has to take care of a lot of his own stuff, but he's still. Um, like on a week-to-week basis, but um, at the track and everything, and things are a lot more structured for him. Um, 
Jimmy Dakota's could come out and really surprise, and uh, but uh, I, I'm a little bit worried that uh, there's there's a little bit of hype around his performance and stuff like that. I don't think people should be too bummed out on him if he is an eight to twelve guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that you know from most reports, he's taken his training a lot more seriously now, and perhaps realizes this is probably his last best opportunity to, to really make it. So it would be awesome to see him come out and have some really good good finishes but i mean anybody who says they're they're really expectations for him or are higher than like an eighth to a fifth i think are probably you know his family members or friends because yes he's had like the occasional flash i think he got maybe a podium what two years ago in new jersey if i remember right but uh i mean i don't know if he had a podium not just a heat race but in any case he's shown a couple of flashes of speed there but in general be honest, Jimmy's kind of underwhelmed. You know, I mean, he he went to Europe and really underwhelmed over there. And um, he's he's a popular guy. You know, I, I love watching him pin the stops on a zero one twenty five and run the crap out of it. That's awesome to watch. And he, yes, he's definitely got raw speed. But um, all these guys have a lot of speed, and I, I don't know that I don't know that his you know upper end of his ceiling is much more than a fifth place. And I think if he gets a if he's in the top five, I think that's awesome. I don't think, you know, any sponsors would really be expecting much more than that if they're realistic about it, you know? Absolutely. And realistic is something that you really have to uh, keep keep in mind when you're talking about the 250 class because motocross is very different um, with that. Most of the uh, the sports that we know of that uh, we watch religiously, like I know you're a huge fan of hockey and football. Um, all the game film we have on these uh, these athletes is among the best in the world they're always like they've got some great athletes around them all the time with motocross when we watch these guys do their thing it's either in a single segment by themselves ripping a track uh that's properly prepped and they've they've got everything at their disposal not too much do you actually see them in in like in a game time situation especially coming up to these races. Like we don't, we know what very few of these guys look like in traffic. And like, I, I know how, like how impressive Jimmy Dakota's looks like riding his home track at home or uh, at, at a at milestone doing quads. But I don't, I don't know what uh, that looks like riding next to a Cooper Webb. You know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. I have nothing to base my, my, how fast he is. Exactly. I mean, every single one of these guys, even the guys that don't make the night show, the guys that people are like chuckling at in the C practice or whatever, they're like, if you go to the local track, they are fast as shit. You would be like, oh my God, that guy's fast. You know, they'd blow my doors off. But when you get them out there against a Cooper Webb or a McGrath or a Carmichael, all of a sudden they look pretty average. So yeah, it's hard to gauge. You can't, you can't look at these preseason videos of them ripping up their track and say, oh, he's on it. I mean, I don't know how you can gauge that. The only guy who really knows is at the Yamaha track where he's timing him against Cooper Webb or timing him against, you know, the other guys on the team. And, okay, this guy's going faster than him. But, you know, riding around by themselves, they all look great. You know, it's it's really hard to say. 100%. Now, um, I, I always love to have you on the show, man. Uh, this has been a, a great honor for me to have uh, you on for show number 198. Uh, and before the gate drops on Saturday, we'll be over 200 podcasts here on Big MX Radio. I believe you are in a repeat offender times five or six at least. Um, 
Last thing I need from you before you go is to give me uh, a podium for this weekend in both the 250s and 450s. And of course, as always, I'm not going to hold you to these because we're uh, we're dialing up a full blown mutter. Oh man, okay. Well, oh, the mud thing so it makes it hard. All right. Well, I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say uh, Chad Reed for third. I'm going to say. Uh, uh, Ken Roxon for second and Ryan Dungey first. Fair How's enough. Um, in the good. Go, go uh, for for the four fifties. I'm taking uh, in 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 this order. Uh, first place to uh, to Ryan Dungey. Second place Eli Tomac, uh, and he's going to be charging through the pack the entire way to get there. And uh, a third place, distant third place, uh, I think uh, is going to be Ken Roxon. I think your your chances of being right are probably better than mine, but I'd love to see Chad get a podium. That's just a sentimental pick there. Of course. And uh, and for your two fifties, in the two fifties, I'd say I think Cuba Webb uh, smokes him. I'd say I think Jesse Nelson gets um, second, and I'm picking Alex Martin to get third. Alex Martin, you get the mutter in there. I like that pick, my friend. Um, my my picks for the 250s, I'm going web out front by a long ways, as long as all things uh, stay upright and good with the, the number one machine. I think Nelson has also proved himself in the mud before. Uh, I know la- a couple of years ago uh, in Colorado, he did very well when it was muddy conditions. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to round out my top podium with uh, Alex Martin, uh, who uh, will be pulling all kinds of tear-offs, zip-offs, or roll-offs to a podium performance with those Oakley goggles looking way too fly. No no clear vision for him. No clear vision for Alex Martin. He can't win, though. He doesn't have X-Brands anymore. So he you can't. Win. If you don't wear X-Brand, you won't win. We'll probably right this weekend. Well, Tony Blazer, um, it's been a pleasure, always is. I look forward to uh, jarring back and forth with you on uh, on Twitter this uh, this coming uh, Saturday evening as you are going to be up long into the night uh, enjoying these races, which for you do not kick off until 10 o'clock p.m. Yeah, it's a late night, but I, I love it. It's fun. I'll be out there... Uh... Uh, join me on Twitter if anyone wants to correspond. I'll be on there all night uh, live-tweeting the event. Always one of my favorite things to do at the opener. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Right on, man. You uh, you have yourself a great evening, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again. All right. Thanks a lot, Brad. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.